Hey, good evening, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I'm your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd. And this is the one-year anniversary of Terror Radio. I am excited, and I am also humbled and grateful for all the support I have received this last year. I'm not going to say much except to tell you all, expect bigger and better things with this platform. So, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. Tonight, I am featuring four radio plays, so that is two hours of thrills and terror. The first comes from Suspense, and it stars my favorite actress, Miss Agnes Moorhead, or as she was called, the First Lady of Suspense. Being that she was highlighted with two radio plays on the premiere episode of Terror Radio, I thought it was more than fitting to feature a radio play with her tonight. And this one is called The Evil of Adelaide Winters. And it was first broadcasted on September 10th, 1951. After that, we will have Lights Out. And the radio play featured on this is Boing Voyage. And this was first broadcasted on November 10th, 1942. And that will be followed with Inner Sanctum with the story Fog, which was first broadcasted on April 20th, 1941. And we will end with Hall of Fantasy with the radio play Mask of Azure. And this was first broadcasted on March 3rd, 1953. So, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to The Evil of Adelaide Winters, followed by Boing Voyage, then The Fog, and concluding with Mask of Azure. Enjoy. Full features. 
And that advantage alone helps overcome one of the greatest causes of battery failure. Sounds like just what I need, Hollow. I stand the Autolite Stay Full is tops in dependable starting power and gives longer life as proved by tests conducted according to accepted life cycle standards. Oh, lead me to it, Hollow. Just call Western Union by number and ask for Operator 25. She'll quickly and without obligation tell you the name and address of your nearest Autolite battery dealer who handles the famous Autolite Stay Full. The battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. And remember, from bumper to tail light, you're always right with Autolite. And now, with the evil of Adelaide Winters and the performance of Miss Agnes Moorhead, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in suspense. I am grateful for any chance to tell my story to explain my position in the entire horrible affair. Since the doctors finally removed the bullet from the base of my skull, I'm able to speak. For over six years, my body has been paralyzed, and I have had to remain silent. But now I can speak. You weigh it. You weigh all the facts about whether I did Edward Porter more harm than good. The war years had made the work of astro-communicators medium. They'd made our work important and necessary. We believe it's as necessary as life itself to believe in life after death, especially during the war when people's loved ones are dying. It's important. Mediums bring courage to despair. Did you get all the newspapers? Yeah, Adelaide. I got them all. Read me the list. Well, for the week of July 8th, the War Department announces the following members of the Army listed as dead. PFC Thomas... Just those missing in action, Robert, please. Oh, Adelaide, I... I still don't like it. It doesn't make much difference if you like it. Now, look, I taught you everything about this medium racket. Oh, yes. You taught about tin horns blowing and faces painted with phosphorescent coloring. You taught me a series of Halloween tricks. Carnival (laughs) mumbo-jumbo. I made it pay, Robert. I made it a science. Uh, You took them from me. I didn't need them. I have inside. You don't. I know about people's superstition and desperation. I can read people's weaknesses. Did you teach me those things? You? You don't know anything. Not even your own weakness. You're a terrible weakness. Adelaide, don't. You need me, Robert. I don't need you. I did once, but not now. Not anymore. Go ahead. Go ahead. Walk out. Walk out the front door. Please don't talk like that. Adelaide, you know I'd never leave you. Of course I do. Look, haven't we made enough? All the people we've taken so far... Yes, Robert. That's why you've never been a successful medium. We haven't taken or used anyone... We've helped them. Rich old dowagers who are on their last legs anyway. People with nothing but time and dough to waste. People who've lost their loved ones, the bereaved and despairing. We give them hope. The widows and weeping mothers. We bring them contact with their loved ones who've died on some distant battlefield. I don't know. I wish I understood you. I wish I knew what you want. I want money and happiness, and they're the same. Well, we've got money. Not enough. Read me the list of those missing in action, Robert, and their addresses and their phone numbers, please. P.S.C. Timothy Arlington, 927 North King Avenue, Cutler 9. Not a good neighborhood. Oh, Adley, would it be simpler to just contact the relatives of the men who are killed? Wouldn't it be easier to work them? No, I told you, no. With a man missing in action, who's to say my information about how or if he died is right or wrong? Who? Not even the War Department, not even the men who are supposed to know. Continue, Robert. Staff Sergeant Abe Feynman, 826 East 32nd Street. That's a very poor district. People are poor. I see. Corporal John Porter, 1438 Williamsburg Road. Hammer, 47. Call that one, Robert. Use that phone. I'll listen in on this one. All right. 
Yes, Mr. Porter. Yes? Corporal John Porter's father. I'm his father. What is it? This is the war department. You found it. I'd almost given up hope. But you found my son alive. Your son is dead, Mr. Porter. Well, all right. You can say what you like. But mostly, and I've pieced the reports together, mostly missing in action means the worst kind of death in a war. Oh, people, officials argue with me. They say that missing in action only means missing. Yes, for how long? Edward Porter, that was his name, Edward. The father, he didn't know. And even though he was skeptical when I telephoned him, he came to my office. Skeptically, but in desperation. Don't you see? He came to my office with the hope he'd find his dead son. I usually never come to these things. You uh, don't believe in them, Mr. Porter? I don't know. I knew once. I don't know now. Well, it's difficult to know anything for certain in moments like this. I've been a realist all my life. Yes, well, so have I. I'm a successful businessman. I've always dealt with facts. Facts and figures. Well, this is real, Mr. Porter. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. What you really mean is you... You hope so. You hope it's true. You hope it's real. Yes. Yes, that's it. I hope it's real. That it's not a racket. Rackets are only out for money. Well... I will want money, Mr. Porter. I must live, too. But I only want your money if I've helped you. Do you understand? Only if I've made the life of the astral world, of a life beyond this one, only if I've made it bring happiness to you. You're a good woman, Mrs. Winters. A good woman. We shall start, Mr. Porter, with the lights on. With all things visible to you. We shall start. What could Edward Porter turn to? His friends, they all had their own problems, the same kind or different, but problems. Could he turn to his work? Didn't mean anything anymore. Or his money? He'd only gathered it for his son, his only son, his only child, and that child was dead. Only I could help. And we tried for seven days to make contact with his son. Seven days devoted exclusively to Edward Porter.
I should have known. Some say I made him ill, that the shock, uh, well, that it affected him. But I say it would have happened anyway, because he had nothing to hold on to. Nothing. I gave him something. You may disagree with the astral science. You may, that's your right. But who else did Edward Porter any good when his son was killed in combat? Who else brought him any comfort to that horrible, horrible thing? I did. Only I. Maybe that's why he would sit for extra hours waiting. Not just for a seance, for me. I had brought him happiness. Come in, Mr. Porter. Oh, I've helped so many people today. So many. But that's my dedication. Anyone who needs help. Maybe too many. Why did you say that? Why too many? How could I possibly help too many? No, never mind. Let's begin. But you're acting unusual today, Mr. Porter. Is something wrong? I mean, is there a, a new problem I can help you with? I said begin. No talk. Begin. Oh, now, see here, Mr. Porter, I offer my services. I give freely of my services to help others. But after all, that doesn't give license you or anyone else. Well, even you. I mean, considering the amount of sessions we've had. I know, but it doesn't even give you a right to talk like that. Did you hear me, Mr. Porter? Mr. Porter. I can't stand your spending so much time with others. It's my work. Mrs. Winters, I want all your time. That's quite impossible and quite extensive. I can afford it. I must be with my son, Laura. We'd be pestered all day long by other clients, Mr. Porter. They'd keep coming I know. I've realized. And McBain, my assistant, he's always been with me. Now, bring him. Both of you. Live in my home. It's a huge house. Since my wife died years ago. But you know all that. Since she died and... I know. My son. I know. I need your help. You can bring my son to me. You must. You must. But I... I would be failing mankind if I didn't. I would be failing my duty. Of course, Edward. Of course. Autolite is bringing you Miss Agnes Moorhead with Joseph Kearns and Herb Butterfield in The Evil of Adelaide Winters. Tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Well, that's the old ball game. Congratulations, Stan. Never could have managed it without that pitcher, Harlow. You mean Ace McDougal? No, my new auto light staple. That's the power pitcher for perfect starts. What a battery. Oh, you visited your auto light battery dealer, eh, Stan? Yes, sir, and I found his name by calling Western Union and asking for operator 25. Well, you're set now because the auto light stay full needs water only three times a year in normal car use. And what's more, it gives longer life, as proved by tests conducted according to accepted life cycle standards. You can't beat that winning combination. No, I sir, Harlow. Right you are. So, friends, see your nearest auto light battery dealer soon. To quickly learn his address, call Western Union by number and ask for Operator 25. Without obligation, she will tell you where you can buy an Autolite Stay Full. The battery that proves you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Miss Agnes Moorhead in Elliot Lewis's production of The Evil of Adelaide Winters. A dramatic report, well calculated to keep you in suspense.
there was anything wrong in moving into Edward Porter's huge home. It was a beautiful new home for his son. But now his son was dead in the war, and I was bringing his son to him, making Edward Porter think the life his son had gone to was really a better life, a fuller life, a happier life. Maybe that should have been my warning. Maybe I should have known. But the money was so wonderful. The house was so beautiful. The money and house were a dead man's voice once a day. Only Robert McBain warned against it. I just picked up the mail. There's a letter for you. Me? A letter for me here? War Department. You opened it? You opened my mail? It's addressed to Porter, but uh, it's for you. What was it? What did it say? Ah, read it yourself. Seems the government doesn't like mediums posing as the War Department. Who could have told them about me? Well, they don't mention any names. But they say mediums have been contacting the parents of war casualties. I've done that. They must be me. Well, what difference does it make? We've taken Porter for enough. Oh, shut no, up. I'm warning you, Aunt Lade. Now, I can see it. You can't. I can see his eyes when, when you walk past him. It's time to lay off to get out. Oh, no. Oh, no, Robert. You would like that. You'd like me to run to leave all this. Well, I won't. Because I'm going to marry Edward Porter. Now, oh, you can't. You wouldn't. Hang around, Robert. No, no, not now, not now. I won't. Getting brave again, Robert. <laughs> this is a comfortable life, just being a dead man's voice. Going to throw it over for love? I'm not marrying for love. Why should you throw all this away for love? Did he ask you to marry? Speak up, Robert. I can't hear you. I said, did he ask you to marry him? No, but he will. Oh, you're awfully sure of yourself about everything? Of course he'll ask me. Because he must hold on to me. I'm the only person who can bring his son to him every day, like a clock. Like a stopwatch. Like a pistol shot. Oh, something's wrong with him. I'm warning you. Yes, I can bring his son to him like a stopwatch, Robert. <laughs> John. This was built for my son. But you haven't lost him. 
show me regained John. That's why all this is yours, Edwin. Well, I'm only a kind of employee. Don't say that at all. I'm paid a salary. You're not an employee. Well, am I more? Like a member of the family. Right. But not actually. There's a great difference between like and actually. You're the family. You and John and I. You and I. John is a spirit now. You and John and I, one family, one unit again. I'm not your wife. You speak like I'm your wife. I'm not, Edward. Not at all. You will be my wife. My dear, my wonderful wife. Edward. Kind, sweet Edward. My husband, Edward. I sense something odd. Here, now, with us. No, Edward, no, darling. Like... We were with John for the first time, as if we were with John. No, Edward, it's not like that. he wanted us to share our happiness with him, like he wanted us to be with him. I was terrified. I'd never seen it before, a reaction like his. Well, once, a woman, she just disappeared one day. She'd lost her husband and two children in an automobile accident, and I calmed her down in seances, talking to her dead family, making them seem real. Then one day she just disappeared and left a note. She said she was going to join them. He, he's sick. He's dangerous, Adelaide. You're trying to intimidate me. He doesn't know what's real or not. You're jealous again. I'm trying to tell you how dangerous it is. How dangerous, Robert? I, I, I don't know exactly. Will he turn me over to the police? There's more. Something more. Well, he demanded money back. The money he's paid me. Oh, I, I don't know. The money means nothing to him. He, he's losing his reason. His what? What? How? Don't generalize. Be specific. If you're as smart as you say you are, you ought to run. Not until I have all of this. You can walk out that front door now with me. I have to stay and get what I worked for. It's mine. You're scared. I won't leave. Not for anything. Not until I'm married to him. You're really frightened. You're just putting on an act. Nothing can make me leave. Nothing. Nothing, nothing. Oh, you know I'm right. Please, please, Adelaide. You know. You're a coward. You're a coward. Adelaide. I should have listened to Robert's warning. I should have. But how could I take the advice of a man I didn't respect? How? I couldn't even accept Robert's advice when Edward Porter canceled the seances for one entire day. Even though he was with me every minute of those 24 hours. Even when he sat in a chair in my room while I slept. Not speaking, just watching. Always watching. Even then, I couldn't admit Robert was right. I had to be right. I had always been right. Even though I barely slept. I was afraid to sleep. So terribly afraid. Even then, I couldn't admit Robert was right. That Edward Porter was past my control. Adelaide. Adelaide. I'm not asleep, Edward. I thought you were. I've been watching you for hours. And I've been watching you too, Edward. I couldn't sleep. So very strange. Have I? But you didn't trust me. Oh, but I do. I do, my dear. My dear Adelaide. I trust you more than I've ever trusted any human being I've known. Oh, what's wrong? What's bothering you? How much does this mean to you? Our marriage? This house. Nothing without you, Edward. And my money? Only something to share with you. Nothing more? Nothing. You're my life. And you're mine. You and John. Both of you. Why do you keep saying that? What? About John. 
John is dead, Edward. He's waiting, but he's not with us. Not really. What does John mean to you? A son. Your son and mine. You love him as I love him? I told you that. But why do we have to wait? Edward, I don't understand. Why must we keep him waiting? You said this world, this material world, meant nothing without me. No, Edward. No, this is our world. This is the one we live in. What is there to wait for? This is a place of evil and sin and corruption. You said so. You've shown me that. Edward. Edward, that sounds pulled away. You've shown me the beautiful world that lies beyond. It it was exaggerated. I mean, under strain and upset, things get distorted. We, We see what we want to. Don't you understand? It's not perfect beyond. It isn't. Don't say that. You taught me faith. Don't lose faith now. Don't be afraid of leaving this world. It's the only world. The only one. There's no after world beyond. None. It was a lie. I only wanted money and position. Believe me. Only money and position. And the rest was a lie. John's voice a lie. John's voice. My own son's voice. I know his voice. In a crowd in eternity. I know his voice. I'll show you. I'll show you it was a lie. Robert McBain. He's in Rome. Come on. Come come to his room, Edward. Come Come back here, Adelaide. It's a lie. It's a lie. Robert, he'll tell you. whether I did harm. was your 20th appearance as star of suspense. I guess you're right, Harlow. Right with Autolite. (laughs) (laughs) You see, I've been here so often I can do the commercials. (laughs) But seriously, I thoroughly enjoy suspense, and I'm looking forward to the next time. Well, it'll be soon, Agnes, because you're an important part of the big Autolite family. A friendly family extending from coast to coast. In 28 plants, Autolite makes over 400 products for cars, trucks, planes, and boats. Complete electrical systems used as original factory equipment on many leading makes of our finest cars, trucks, and tractors. Autolite batteries, including the famous Autolite Stay Full. Ignition-engineered Autolite standard and resistor-type spark plugs. All backed by constant Autolite research and precision built to assure top performance. So remember, from bumper to taillight, you're always right with Autolite. Next week.
week on Suspense, our star will be Mr. Charles Lawton in another story based on actual events concerning a man historically famous as the most notorious poisoner who ever lived. A dramatic report we call Neil Cream, Doctor of Poison. In weeks to come, we shall also present Mr. Tony Curtis and Miss Jean Crane, all on Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, with music composed by Lucian Mollick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The Evil of Adelaide Winters was written for Suspense by Arthur Ross. In tonight's story, Herb Butterfield was heard as Porter and Joseph Kearns as McBain. supernatural and the supernormal, dramatizing the fantasies and the terrors of the unknown. We tell you this frankly, so if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you, calmly but sincerely, to turn off your radio now. My name, Arch Oberlin. Bon Voyage is the title of tonight's story. In other words, a good journey. Remember back in the days when one could go vacationing on shipboard? Well, those were the days when two old women began this most amazing Bon Voyage. Tonight I'm very curious to see if you'll really feel as I do about the events to unfold in this extremely strange uh, travelogue. So, turn off your lights and listen. First, Frank Martin for just a few seconds. Friends, are you worried because you haven't the strength to do your work? Because you're so miserably thin and weak and worn out? Well, if, as with so many, it's only because you need more vitamin B and iron, get ironized yeast tablets. They work wonders for thousands who only needed more of these substances. Help them gain glorious new strength and energy and five, ten, even more pounds, often in a few short weeks. Remember the name, Ironized Yeast Tablets. And now? Lights out, everybody. Now, are you sure the trunk is tied on securely, Mr. Cab Driver? Yes, I'm good and tight. 
ask him if he's absolutely sure, Julian. Are you absolutely sure, Mr. Cabbrother? Lady, so help me. If that trunk falls off, I'll give him a kiss. Now, just a minute, young man. That's your attitude. Oh. Let me warn you, my sister and I can always take another cab. Lady, so help me, I ain't taking any attitude. Believe me, the trunk's tied on tight. You want to get to the dock in time? to drive slowly, Julian. All right, Emma, get in. Now, drive slowly, young man. Yes, ma'am. I'd at least have come up to say goodbye. Now, Sister Emma, you know mighty well they're jealous of us. Every one of them. It's our cross and we must bury it. Mrs. McDonald. Mrs. McDonald is just like the rest of them in that house. She takes our rent each week, but she's as jealous as any of them. Young man, drive slowly or we'll leave your cab. Yes. Never should have stayed there. I told you that 15 years ago, when we first moved in. I remember distinctly saying, Emma... We shouldn't stay in a boarding house where there isn't a solitary soul above the status of a prince person. You remember I said that? Ask him if we'll get to the dock in plenty of time. Young man, we won't be late now, will we? I'll get you there, lady, sir. Help me. Well, see that you do. Beneath us. No doubt about it, Sister Emma. Everyone's always been jealous of us. No doubt about it. <sighs> sea air should be good for our trouble. Don't talk about it. He can't hear us driving. No, I suppose he can't. It's been 20 years. Oh, why should we think about it? The sea air will blow it away. Ask him if we're almost there. Young man, how much further? Practically there, ma'am. we got plenty of time. Half hour to midnight. I'll see to it that we get there in time or you'll regret it. Sailing at midnight. I don't like it. Don't talk like that. It was the only time. We're slowing up. Ask him what's the matter. Young man, what's the trouble? No trouble at all, ma'am. We're at the dock. See, I'll make me stop dreaming those dreams, don't you think so, Sister Julia? And you don't talk about it. Hey, are, ladies. Got you in plenty of time. Ask him if it's the right dock. Sure it is, lady. Dock 11. Hey, uh, should I take the trunk off? No, no. I'll charge extra for that. And there'll be someone from the steamship company to do that. Uh, What's your fare? There it is on the meter, ma'am. A dollar and a quarter. Here's a dollar. A, do- a dollar and a quarter, ma'am. You can see for yourself. The meter, the meter. I don't care what the meter says. Took much less time than I thought. But, lady... I don't want to hear any more about it. Come, Emma. Yes. Now, lady, be... And to one side, rather. Let us out. Now, lady, if the meter reads a dollar and a quarter, i got to collect a dollar and a quarter. Not another word. Question the trunk, unfasten the trunk there and go about your business. But, lady, I got... Oh, I give up what to you. Are you sure it's the right dock, Sister Julia? Of course it is. See? Dock 11. Oh. What it says on the tickets. There's your trunk. Come for you to both of you. Impudent scoundrel. Left our trunk lying right there in the street. Save money anyhow. Get one of the ship's people to put it on. No one around. Strange. Everything's so quiet, and just before sailing time. There's a sailor. Ask him to take our trunk aboard. Mr. Sailor? Mr. Sailor? Here's you. You call me, lady? Ask him if he's connected with the ship. Are you connected with the ship? Yes. You want to go on board? We certainly do. Julia, look. People. Where did they... One minute there was nobody, and now so many people getting on board. Julia, ask him. Get your trunk this way to the gangplank. Yes, yes, of course. Come, Sister Emma. Don't have to tip on the thing, Sister Julia. 
part of the service we get. I know, I know. This way to the gangplank, lady. Oh, got your tickets ready, Sister Julia? I got them, I got them. Walk quickly. Don't want to lose sight of that man with that trunk. This way, ladies. Boats so crowded, so many people. Nobody seems to want to look at our tickets. Well, that's all right, too. I'm ahead enough. Your cabin, ladies. Ask him if it's the right one, Julia. Now, are you sure it's the right one, sailor? Your trunk's inside, ladies, all ship-shaped. Very well. Come ahead, Emma. All right. Now, you don't have to tip him anything, Julia. It isn't necessary at all. Well, there isn't much of a cabin. Much smaller than they told us. I'll speak to the captain. Oh, not now, not now. After we sail. Don't leave me alone in this place. Now, Emma. Now, don't now, Emma, me. You've got the same thoughts. Don't talk about it. Dear... The air will do us both good that way now, won't it? Don't talk about it. There, we're starting. Yeah. I'm going out to see a start. No, no, wait for me. Here am I, by the rail. We've taken down the gangplank already. I see, I see. That means we're free to the land and everything on it, doesn't it, Emma? Don't talk about it. Isn't it enough that for 20 years... We're starting. Ship's moving. How fast the dock and all the people on it are fading away. Yes, yes, they're almost out of sight. Julia. What? Did you notice all those people on the shore? Hmm? They were waving handkerchiefs, but... But, but they were crying. Sister Julia. What? The, the time. What, what, what time is it? I don't know. Reach over and turn on the light. Ship's rolling so badly. I, oh, there. Hmm. Twenty minutes after two. The longest night. I haven't been able to sleep a wink. Why does the ship have to go so fast? That's all right. Taking us away from the cursed land. Stop saying that. Strange how for 20 years a face can come to one in the night. Stop, I tell you. I'm going up on deck. No, don't leave me here. I'll, I'll go with you. Come ahead, come ahead, but keep your mouth closed. Are, are you going to get there? No, no, just a coat. Fine, my slippers. Might be cold. Then stay here. No, no, I'll go with you. I, I got, got my coat already. Don't leave me. Come ahead. So quiet. Those night it must be the end. Shh. Everyone's asleep. It's good to be getting away from the land. Here. Up these stairs. Huh? Well, can't you see the sign? Promenade deck. Oh. Oh, yes, the deck. That'll be nice. And now... Don't fall. Ah, I think we should go out there this time of night, Sister Julia. Do you like the cabin any better? You were as much to blame as I. The blood. Stop it. Said... Stop it. Come out here. The wind. You wanted to come out here. Where? Where will we walk? Where does one walk on shipboard? Come. He drives the ship so fast. It's frightening. Then go below. No. Julia. 
walk faster. I want to keep walking. Julia. What is it? We've been all around the deck. Well? And we haven't seen anyone. It's the middle of the night. But no one. What do you expect at three in the morning? A brass band? There should be someone. Go down to the room. Julia, did, did you hear that? Nothing but the wind. No, something else. Julia. What's that? Over the side of the ship. Uh, A a hand. No. No, it isn't. Oh, Julia, come back. Come back. No. No, no, you're crazy. There's nothing. But I Nothing. I went to the rail. There was nothing. Oh, we shouldn't have killed him, Julia. Oh, no. If I talk about it, maybe I'll find a little rest from the crazy thoughts that have been in my head for 20 years. Stop talking. Stop, you fool. Ever since that night, Julia, they've been tearing at me. Crazy thoughts. You're a fool. Fool. Not such a fool. The thought of it made you an old woman, too. I'm all right. You, too, Julia. All these years, you've been afraid, too. Will you ever stop talking? At night, sometimes I hear you cry out in your sleep. No, I don't. You do, Julia. You do. You do in fear of him. Here? Why should I be frightened? You help me carry him down the steps to the basement, Julia. Remember? Stop it. I'm not afraid. His bones, they're dust by now. Worms to tear them. You are frightened. You are. Tell me that you no. are. You know you no, are. No, no, no. Get away from me and stop talking to me. Yes, you Nothing are. to be frightened of. We're miles at sea. Water between us and the land. Miles between us and where we buried him. Why should I be afraid of something dead for 20 years? I'm not afraid. I'm not. A... What? What? Look! His face! His face in the sky! Ladies and gentlemen, just a breath. When people say goodbye only with tears, when faces lift in the sky, when armless hands appear before you, perhaps as a medical man might say, a few deep breaths of relaxation are indicated before we return to tonight's Lights Out story. Back to tonight's Lights Out story. Bon voyage. The two old women, frightened, Search through the empty corridors of the swaying ship for their cabin. Faster, Emma. Walk faster. This? Is this the, the right car? Oh, get out of my way. Cabin. Got to get to the cabin. Close the door and lock it. Yes, yes, lock it. Can't hurt us if we're behind the locked door. It wasn't locked before. Oh, but that isn't our cabin, Julia. What are you talking about? Of course it is. No. I tell you it is. Julia, no. No, this cabin. Here. Oh, oh, it's locked too. Got to get in. Got to get inside. Stuart, let me in my cabin. Oh, no. No, you'll wake everyone up. Stuart, come here and let me in my cabin. Julia, no. Stuart! No one, no one heard you. I'll make someone hear me. Let me in. I'll try another door. Let me in. Wake up, somebody. Let me in. Oh, please open the door. Oh, open the door. Please open the door. Wake up, somebody, and let me in. Oh, let me in. Open the door, please. Wake up, somebody, and let me in. I say, open the door. Junior. Junior. Let me in, I said. It's no use. What? What do you mean? They'll never answer it. Huh? 
they what? found out about him. You're crazy. Come on. The next step. Find someone to let us in our cabin. Stuart! Stuart! No, don't leave me. Wait for me, Julia. Stuart, somebody. Somebody wake up. I want to get in my cabin. Oh, Julia. Mr. Julia. Wait. Wait. They've got to answer me. Look. That room. It says Chief Stuart. I'll show him not to answer me. I'll show him. Julia. What? Empty. And this one empty. And this one's empty, too. What have you found? Stop waving your hands at me. Talk. The ship tearing, tearing through the night. Oh, don't you understand? We're alone. We're alone. It, it doesn't seem possible. We've been all over the ship. But what? What makes it go? Oh, stop, you fool. Stop, stop. Trying to drive you crazy as you are. I can't stand it down here. The wall's closing in on me. I'm going out. No, no, stay here. Oh, no, let me go. Let me go. No, no, no. You won't go on deck. You won't go on deck and live. You won't leave. No, I'm to get out of here. Not up there. Oh, I'm not frightened. I didn't see his face. You did stay here or I'll choke the tongue out of you. Oh, my death. That's the way you killed him. That's the way. No. No, you killed him. You. I only held his neck. Your hand was on the knife. You stabbed him again. No. And again. No. And again. No, no. I'll go up there. I'll go up there. Emma. Emma, come back. Not on deck. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Emma. Emma, come back. Don't leave me. Emma, where are you? Emma. Emma, where are you? I admit it. I am afraid. I am afraid, Emma. Emma, where are you? It's so dark out here. All these years we've been together, you can't run off and leave me now when I tell you I'm afraid. <laughs> Emma! Oh, Emma, Emma, you hear me? Go away. Emma, Emma, we've got to be Don't lie there on the deck. We've got to stay together the way we always oh, have. You talked me into killing him. You did. So I did. So I did. But you and I have got to stay together, I tell you, until we get off this horrible ship. Listen, Emma. A ship can't go without men making it go. But we've been on every day, and there's no one, only him. Him, him, you insane fool. How many times must I tell you he's dead in dust? But you saw his face. Imagination, nothing more. The night's so black. I admit I'm frightened. Of course, I see the thing I didn't want to see. But how could the ship... Listen, and I'll tell you. A great ocean liner like this one, there are men in the engine room and men on the bridge. What if there aren't any passengers? It just means we got on the wrong boat. But no one... I tell you, there is someone. Someone up there on the bridge steering the ship. If there was no steering, we'd go in circles. Look, see how straight through the winds we're going? There's no one... Come up to the bridge and I'll show you. There's a man up there steering this boat. A man of flesh and blood. There must be. There must be. <laughs> But how can you know? A man must steer this ship. If there's no one there. So, so dark. I can't see. Yes. This is up where the steering thing should be. No, I'm afraid. In there. The wheelhouse, they call it. Yes, that's it. There's windows around it. You see someone in there? No, A wheel? No, no. There must be someone there. Come close, Emma. Look. Windows covered with mist. Look in there, Emma. Your eyes are better than mine. 
Tell me there's someone steering. No, no. Oh, no, no. Get out of the way, Hedden. The window. I'll see. Ah! Steering wheel. Emma. We are alone. I told you I know. No, stop the ship. Stop. Where are you taking me? Stop. Show yourself. Show you. Stop. Stop. The ship won't stop. Oh, we confess. I confess. Yes, I confess. I killed a man. We killed a man. For his money. Twenty years ago. We did it together. We needed money. We needed money. He had so much. Stabbed him. I did. Cut him off. And we buried him in the basement. And no one ever knew. There. Confess. Now stop. Stop. Emma, you heard yes. the whistle. Someone is about yes. Who? I am. Oh. You, the man who took us on this ship. The same, madam. You, who are you? The captain of the ship, madam. Captain? Captain? My unfortunate pleasure, madam. What? Where? If you will excuse me, madam, I must go in there. It is time to take the wheel. But there's no one. How could the ship... You will excuse me. It is time. You've got to tell us. You will step into the wheelhouse this way. I will set the course. You've got to tell us. Yes. What is this ship? Where is everyone? Then why did you bring us here? North by east. Aye, that's the course. Will you answer me, Julia? Make him tell us. I'll go crazy. Captain, whatever you are, tell us where we are. Tell us where we're going. We've got to. Where you are. Yes. On my ship, my lady. But what ship? Why did you bring us here? Because you killed a man for profit. Ah, how? How did you... How did I know? When one is as I am, one knows many things. Yes, you are. Your other question, madam? Where are we going? Yes, where? You go to your doom. The man's insane, Emma. That's it. We're on a ship with a man. No, madam. A dead man. You, you're, you're crazy. Junior, what do we do? What? Calm yourself, my ladies, and listen. Yes, listen closely. It's no more than fair that it all be very clear in your minds before it happens. What? This is my ship, and on a night like this many years ago, I stood here just as I stand now. My two hands tight upon the wheel. Julia, what's he talking Listen about? Listen to me. I stood here, and below the decks, asleep and trusting me, their captain, were 500 souls. 500 men, women, and their children. What's that got to do with us? Asleep, you hear me? 500 souls. I, their captain, my hands on the wheel, an empty sea ahead. Mine to make the course, mine to turn the wheel. I closed my eyes, I slept. I, the captain, slept. I didn't see, I didn't hear. A tower, a cliff of ice ahead. We crashed. I crashed and sank. Five hundred souls, and I, their captain. He is crazy. So the captain lost his ship and lost his life. And five hundred lives with it. And so we sail again tonight. What's, what's it all to do with us? With Emma and me? The captain who slept and died made a bargain with the devil. A good bargain to bring him peace and rest. What? 
And each year, my ship rises out of the sea again. Once each year, I sail it. Oh, Julia, why is he talking like that? I set the course the same as I set it on that very night. The wind, it blows the same. But with me now, not 500 souls, but two. Two of evil like yourself. We sail. My hands are on the wheel. And on and on, the ship, it tosses beneath her feet. I close my eyes again, just as I did that night. Suddenly, straight ahead, an iceberg. Julia, look! It's true. Something is ahead. Iceberg! My eyes are closed tightly, as they were that night. I cannot see it. I cannot. No, turn the wheel. Open your eyes. We'll crash. Crash! Open your eyes. Turn the wheel. No. My eyes stay closed. Don't you understand, you two? That's my bargain with the black one. Each year on this very night, I bring someone evil to the death. And for each one that dies with me this way, they blot out one of those 500 who drowned beneath me, taken off my soul. One of them for each of you. Open your eyes! An iceberg! We'll die! Turn the wheel! No! I want you to die. You must die. Block one, listen. I give you two more evil ones. Two more! scientific fact and fiction. Now, there's a ghost stories founded upon unexplainable but nevertheless apparently real happenings to real people. I think Bon Voyage shows what can happen in the minds of people who have an overpowering sense of guilt. Some say that there is an inevitable law of compensation. Who knows? Well, they're all certainly intriguing entertainment, but uh, what about next week? Well, before I tell you about next week's story, and I hope you'll like it as much as I enjoyed dreaming it up. First, uh, a minute for you. What? Friends, it's a rather difficult transition from the out-of-the-world story we've just listened to to the cold realities of right now. And it's even more difficult after all the word you've heard about buying war bonds to say anything that hasn't been said. And yet, why look for originality in speaking about something that's as real and as close to us as this war? The second front is open. None of us know how long the road is to victory. But we do know that by putting every extra dollar, quarter, and dime that we have in the war bonds, we're helping defeat Mr. Schickelgruber and Mr. Hirohito and company and help make a stable America when peace comes. To win the war and to hasten a fair peace, there is no better use for that paper and silver in your pockets. Certainly, cheer the boys in the second front, but do something about it with work and with purchases of war bonds. And now, Mr. Obler, what about next week? Well, come to the bank. No, that's not an order. It's a title of next week's Lights Out presentation. Uh, supposing a woman came up to you, a, a small, mousy little woman, and said, please come to the bank. Would you laugh? Would you run? <laughs> but find out what one man did next week. Yes, tune in next Tuesday again for Arch Obler's eerie story of Come to the Bank. And if you need more vitamin B and...
the big letters I the big letters I Y on the package and on each tablet. Good evening, friends. This is your host to welcome you again through the creaking door into the inner sanctum. Come in, come in. I'm enjoying some winter sports with a couple of cold-blooded skates. Personally, I don't mind the low temperature anymore. That's because I wear a snowfall storm coat. Keeps the cold spirits out. <laughs> yes, sir. Now I'm just a werewolf in a sheepskin line shroud. <laughs> mm. Oh, him? Now, that's our photographer, Artie. Yes, he just passed out while taking a picture from overexposure. <laughs> Ready now for our excursion beyond the grave. Let me warn you, we're a bit crowded. You may not be able to get a round-trip ticket. We can accommodate you on the way out, but coming back, you'll have to double up with a call. The fog rolls in from the sea and begins to blanket the long, narrow island, which is joined to the Florida mainland by a bridge. In the lone house on the island, two men stand at the window, watching the mist develop into a thick gauze, obscuring the lights on the mainland. Listen, the fog is getting worse. Look, look out there. It, it's covering everything like a disgusting, evil monster. It'll lift by morning. Morning, morning. Morning. I may not be here by morning. What the devil do you mean by that? I mean, I may not be alive. What are you Unless talking? you help me. I asked you out here tonight because I was afraid to be alone. But you said before that your uh, sister-in-law, Carol, and, and her husband, what's his name, uh, Everett, would be here. Yes, Winston, but you're my friend. You're my closest friend. For the past week, I had a feeling that death was coming here to the island. And then when the fog began to roll in from the sea, I knew it would be tonight. Arthur, you're not making sense. You've got nothing to worry about. Except for being a little nervous, you're perfectly healthy. You don't understand, Vincent. Valerie's come back. Valerie? Yes, she's here on the island. For heaven's sake, Arthur, get hold of yourself. She's here, start... out there, someplace in that fog. That's impossible, and you know it. It's been six months since your wife Valerie drowned. They never found her body. It, it was never washed up on shore. A drowned body isn't always found. She never went out on that boat. Of course she did. It was all settled at the coroner's inquest. Oh. No, there were some things that were never settled. What do you mean by that? You know Valerie. You know how strange and moody she was. Well, a great many people are moody. No, no. Not like Valerie was. She would prowl this island at night with that cat of hers always following. Everywhere she went, that cat would be with her. And on foggy nights, they'd be gone for hours. Well, that still doesn't prove that Valerie wasn't on that boat. Of course it does. Don't you understand? Cats hate water. I begged her many times to go out fishing with me. She'd never step foot in a boat. Look, this is all just your imagination working overtime. Oh, Vincent, she's come back to kill me. She hated me. From the day we were married, she hated me. On her wedding night, she flew into a rage. She scratched me. Her hand was like a claw, like a cat's claw. And now she's come back to kill me. You better stop talking. The cat kind of... disappeared the night Valerie did. Well, of course it did. It drowned with her. No. The cat's come back to the island. I've heard it at night. What you heard was probably a stray cat that wandered onto the island across the bridge. What? Now, uh, I'll get there. Hello. Arthur Cameron. 
Who's this? Listen. <gasps> you have six hours to live, Arthur. Just six more hours. It was Valerie. She spoke to me. What are you talking about? And the cat was with her. She said I had six hours to live. Six hours? Here, let me have that phone. It's no use. She's hung up. Well, maybe we can trace the call. Hello? Hello, operator? Operator? You're going to kill me. You've got to help. Now, just take it easy, Arthur. I'll get the police in a minute. Hello, operator? Operator? It's long. Why doesn't she answer? I think I know why. I'm afraid the wires have been cut. Come on. I'm driving you to the mainland. to drive faster. Dude, the fog is thick as it is, Arthur. I'm going faster than I should. But you've got to get me off the island. The bridge is just ahead. We'll be on the mainland in a few minutes. Say, I just remembered something. What? You said that Valerie's sister Carol and uh, her husband Everett would be out here to visit you tonight. Yes, but we can't wait for them. What time did they say they'd be here? 8.30. Well, it's past that now. They should drive along this road any moment. Maybe we'll meet them and then... Why did you stop? We can't stay here. The bridge... If I hadn't stopped quickly enough, we'd both have been killed. This end of the bridge has been washed out. Vincent, please, let's go back into the house. She's somewhere near us in the fog here. I can feel it. I'm not going in until I find out where that phone wire was cut. I'm going to splice it together again. It's our only chance of reaching the police. It's nine o'clock. An hour has gone by already. And if I'm not out of here by two o'clock... What is it? Look, look, you can see it through the fog. There's a strange yellow light down the road. Hmm? Why, it's the headlight of a car coming this way. A car? Yeah, quick. Behind the house here and stay out of sight. It's turning into the driveway. How could a car have come onto the island with that bridge washed out? Shh, be quiet. Somebody's getting out. They're coming this way. What? It's, it's Carol and Everett. Carol, Everett, Arthur. Now, what in the deuce are you doing out here in the back of the house? You scared me. Everett, I'm so glad you're here. What's the matter, Arthur? You actually... Uh, I'll tell you in a minute, but... How did, how did you get here? How do... Say, what's gotten into you? How did you get on the island? We drove over the bridge and up the shore road. How else can you get here? But how could you drive over the bridge? It's been washed out. Washed out? I saw it with my own eyes and Vincent saw it too, didn't you, Vincent? I certainly did. Oh, Vincent, I didn't know you were here. Yes, Everett, and I'm glad I am. Well, you two must be mistaken. Carol and I drove over that bridge less than three minutes ago. Three minutes, huh? Why do you say it that way? Are you sure you haven't been on the island longer than that? What does he mean? Hang if I know. Some very strange things have been happening. Arthur's life has been threatened. What? It's true. By your sister, Valerie. Don't you two know that April Fool's Day is months away? Joke on you want, Everett, but it's true. Even the telephone wire has been cut. This is the telephone. Yeah. So the telephone wire's been cut, huh? You better answer it, Arthur. Uh, I'm almost afraid. Come on, I'll go in with you. Hurry, Arthur. All right. Hello? Hello, Arthur. Valerie? We're here, Arthur. Listen. It's nine o'clock, Arthur. You have five 
more hours to live. Waiting. I can't stand it. Why don't the police come? Now, take it easy, Arthur. They'll be here. We only phoned them a few minutes ago. But something might happen before they get here. We can't just sit around waiting for them to arrive. Of course, it would be difficult to find anybody out there in that fog. But we could look around until the police got here. No, no. No, I'm not going out there. She's waiting for me. Arthur, please try to understand. It couldn't be Valerie. You don't know any of you. I can feel it. She's... She's coming closer and closer every minute. Arthur, you've got nothing to worry about. I've got this gun. And believe me, I won't hesitate to use it. Vincent, I didn't know you were in the habit of carrying a gun. I gave it to him ever before you arrived. What's oh. the matter? Don't you trust me with a gun? I really don't trust anyone with a gun. Carol, what is it? What is There was something outside the window. A sort of face. Carol, please. Now, don't you get started on this crazy nonsense. No. It's just a swirling fog. No, I saw it. But now it's gone. I could make out the eyes. They were shining like the eyes of a... A cat! GPS is coming for me! Let's go, Everett. That came from the back of the house. No, don't leave me! Carol, you go with Vincent. I'll stay with Arthur. All right. Vincent! Vincent, wait! Arthur, I stayed with you because I want to talk about Vincent. I think it was foolish of you to give him that gun. Vincent's my friend. I trust him. You shouldn't. Why do you say that? Don't you remember how he acted at the coroner's inquest? He testified against you time and again, very subtly, to make them think you were responsible for Valerie's death. You were wrong. Vincent would have no reason to do No. He and Valerie were quite close before you came along, Arthur. Even after you came along. That isn't true. He even saw her the night she disappeared. You don't know what you're saying. At the inquest, he swore he wasn't on the island that night. But he was. And I can prove it. Here. Look at this. The cigarette lighter. Yes. With Vincent's initials on it. You can still see them through the rust. Where did you get that lighter? Carol and I found it in the water near the boathouse. I remember the day after Valerie disappeared, Vincent made a remark about losing his lighter. Now, do you still think he's such a friend? If what you say is true... You and Carol and I have got to stay together until the police get here. You're sure they're on the way? Yes, they told me on the phone it would take them less than 15 minutes to get here. Well, it may not be safe for you to wait for them here. We'll uh, go down to the bridge to meet them. No, no, I'm not going out in that fog. She's there waiting for me. Look, Arthur, you've got more to fear from Vincent than anyone. But don't come on before he returns. All right. We'd, uh, We'd better go out through the French windows. Good idea. Stay close to the house until we get to the garage. The fog is so thick, I I can't see you. I'm just on the edge of the gravel path. Wait. What's wrong? Arthur, stay where you are. Where are you? Something's out here near us. More <gasps> wolves. Just brush against me. Oh! Run! Run! Kitty, kitty, kitty. Don't go away, kitty. We need you for a couple of more murders. <laughs> Everett's dead, you know. 
That's what he gets for letting a black cat cross his throat. Say, how do you like that Valerie? She's some wife, huh? Nagging her husband right to the grave. The same one she's in. <laughs> well, Valerie's sore about that last phone call she made. The operator said to her, Five cents for the next five murders, please. <laughs> now let's get back to our frightened friends on that Florida island. She meant to kill me, Carol. She mistook Everett for me. Arthur, please. How is he, Vincent? He's dead. Oh, no. It's as if his throat was torn open by a wild animal. I told you she was more animal than human. She and that cat, they were in here. Carol, you'd better not touch the body. Oh, leave me alone. You've done it up already. What's that supposed to mean? You know exactly what it means, Vincent. And when the police come, I'm going to tell them how you ran away from me out there in the fog. I didn't run away from you. I thought you were behind me when I came back to the house. You're lying. Just a moment, Carol. Why? What is it? The cigarette lighter that Everett had in his hand is missing. What cigarette lighter? You know the one I mean. The one that was found in the water near the boathouse. I haven't the faintest idea of what you're talking about. I have. Arthur, you'd better search him. Now, look here. If you're as innocent as you claim to be, Vincent, you shouldn't mind. All right, then go ahead and search. I will after I make this call. Whom are you calling? The police. Can't understand why they haven't gotten here yet. It's almost 10 o'clock. Hello. Hello, operator. Will you please connect me with police headquarters and hurry? Do you think you've been calling the police department all this time, Arthur? Oh, yes. Valerie. We're still here. It's 10 o'clock, Arthur. You have just four more hours. Arthur? Where's Vincent? I just left him. Carol, did you know about him and Valerie? Well, yes, Arthur. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I wanted to. But after all, she was my sister. We'll have to get away from him. Yes. Well, suppose we tell him that we're going for the police. He can't have any objection to that. But suppose he wants to come with us in the car. Well, somebody has to stay here with Everett's body. Would you think it's safe to leave him here? If he killed Everett, he'll have a chance to destroy any evidence. We can't help that. It's safer to leave him here than to take him with us. He still has that gun of yours. That's right, I have. Vincent. Forgive me for disturbing you two. I thought you were supposed to be outside. I was outside for a while. But I saw somebody moving around in the other room, so I came back. When I got to the other room, I found Everett's body missing. What? Gone? Everett's body is gone? Vincent, you were in that room before alone. So was Carol after I left. Weren't you, Carol? Oh, I don't remember. I may have been. You were there alone, Carol. I remember. Arthur, you walked with me to the front door. When I left the house, the body was still there. After that, I don't know what happened. But perhaps Carol does. What are you driving at? What do you think I'm driving at? You mean that I did something with Everett's body? Draw your own conclusions. I've drawn mine. How dare you imply such things? I won't listen to another word of such talk. Not another word. Well, Arthur, what do you think? I don't know what to think. I'm going out of my mind. I don't know where to turn, who to trust. You can trust me. I wish I was sure that I could. Oh, of course you can. Now, come here, Arthur. Don't you see? The one who hopes to kill you is trying to break you down first. Now, for your own sake, you mustn't give in. I don't know who's behind all this, but I do know this. It's all part of a plan to destroy you little by little. Don't you see that now? Nothing makes sense. Now, you listen to me, Arthur, and listen to me well. Because there isn't a great deal of time left. We've got to get away from Carol while there's still time, while she's not here. Why? Can't you see? She's trying to kill you. Why? Yes. Don't be a fool. 
Carol is the one who lied to you. She and Everett both. They intended to murder you, but in the darkness and the fog, Carol made a, a fatal mistake. She thought it was you she was killing, not Everett. No, no, that was Valerie in the room. A human animal was there. You saw the claw marks on Everett's throat. That could be accomplished with an iron claw. Valerie is dead. What makes you so sure of that? Because I know she's dead. They never drove across that bridge at nine tonight. They've been here on the island all evening. How do you know that? I know that because we saw that bridge with our own eyes. And I saw it again just ten minutes ago. It's still down. You're just saying that. Come, come on with me, Arthur, and you'll see for yourself. No! No, you're trying to get me out of the house, out into that fog where Valerie is. Will you stop being an idiot? Here. Take this gun. That'll make you feel any better. Take it and hold it in my back while we're outside. Now let's get away from Carol while there's still a chance. All right. Give me the gun. Yeah. Now, keep in front of me all the time. And I'm warning you. If you make one false move, I'll kill you. You see? Carol and Everett were lying to us. The bridge is still down. You're right, Vincent. They couldn't have come across that bridge. Of course not. The only trouble is we can't get back over it now either. But we've got to get off this island Wait somehow. a minute. Wait a minute. I should have thought of it before. Your boat. I saw the motorboat after the accident. Well, what about a rowboat? Uh, there's still one of those down at the boathouse at the other end of the island. Good. Then we can row over to the mainland. Yes, yes, of course. Come on. Wait a minute. Where are you going? Back to the house for the car. Don't be ridiculous. We can't go back there now. we got to walk. All right. Along the beach here. Got to walk faster than that, Arthur. Vincent... I have a feeling we're being followed. Ah, just your imagination. Who could see us in this fog? But I tell you that... We are being followed. I told you. Look behind us. Yes, I can see it now. It's a cat. And there's a woman with it. We've lost them, Arthur. They can't be far behind. Doesn't make any difference now. There's the boathouse just ahead. The boat! It's not at the land. Well, it must be. You can't see it because of the fire. I can see it isn't there. All right, then we'll hide in the boathouse till morning. You can't hide from the dead. Oh, will you please stop that nonsense? We're dealing with somebody very much alive. You've still got that gun. You can't harm the dead with a gun. Come on, we're going inside. Door's locked. I didn't lock it. This boathouse has never been locked before. All right, wait here. I'll break through the window and come around through the inside. There, just wait for me and I'll lock the door. They're coming, Vincent! Hurry, hurry! Now, come on inside, Arthur. Better lock the door. Yes. Arthur! Uh, We're in luck. There's a phone here. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Maybe it hasn't been disconnected like the other one. I'll try it. Hello. Hello, operator. Hello. It's 11 o'clock, Arthur. Just. Three more hours. Quarter or two, Arthur. You can't stay here another minute. And I can't run away any longer. Where would I go? Where would I hide? If she's going to kill me, let her come and do it. You've still got 15 minutes. Oh, my time's run out now. Well, I wanted to help you save yourself, but you wouldn't let me. 
I'm not going to stay here another second. Vincent! This is your last chance. Do you want to make a run for it with me? I told you it was no use. All right, then there's nothing more I can do. Goodbye. I've come for you. Valerie, please. You know why I've come, don't you? Please, don't come any closer. You hated me so much. Couldn't even wait until death came to me naturally. You knew how much I hated water. How much I was afraid of. Stand where you are. Don't come another step. You despised me because I... Your bullets can't harm me. There's no way you can harm me anymore. Because I am dead. But I can harm you. Valerie. Valerie, forgive me. Valerie, please forgive me. I, I, I was sorry as soon as I threw you off the boat, but it was too late. I, I dived into the water to find you, but I couldn't. I tried until my lungs almost burst. Please, please forgive me. Why? Why didn't you tell the police? I wanted to live. So now it doesn't make any difference. You're wrong about that, Arthur. It makes a big difference to us. What are you doing back here? I was listening outside your confession. Confession? Thank you, Miss Mason. That'll be all. Yes, Miss Mason. The fog outside and this dim light in here helped her disguise. And and it wasn't Valerie. How could it be? Valerie's dead, isn't she? And the dead can't really return. But Everett, who who killed him? Everett. Everett's alive. Very much alive, Arthur. It wasn't hard for me to pretend being dead with uh, Vincent and Carol keeping you away from my body. And you... All of you were in on this together. Yes. The police couldn't help us because Valerie's body was never found. But we knew you had killed her. We just had to wait for the chance to prove it. And now you have my confession. Come on, Arthur. Wait a minute, Everett. Hello? Hello, Bennett. It's all over. Hmm. Yeah. You can hook up the wires again. And, Bennett, you'd better get to work on that bridge right away. We're making a trip to the mainland. It's an outrage. All those juicy chances for murder and not one drop of blood spill. Uh-huh. Well, I guess that's the way it is some nights. You just can't lay away a cop or so. <laughs> and that Valerie, what a judge she turned out to be. Didn't even have enough courage to step out of her grave. Uh... Confidentially, though, the reason is Valerie doesn't like to be seen in shrouds. (laughs) 
Oh, no. No, there's no moral to this story. Just the ugly fact that when you're dead, brother, you're dead. States over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System, and has been rebroadcast for servicemen and women overseas. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. And now, the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the Hall of Fantasy. Welcome to the series of radio dramas dedicated to the supernatural, the unusual, and the unknown. Come with me, my friends. We shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden, down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted, and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of The Masks of Asia. What's the matter, honey? What's wrong? Well, I... I, I must be going insane. Why? Well, I, I was asleep. Suddenly, I woke up. A voice seemed to be calling to me. I started downstairs, always listening to that strange, unearthly voice. When I got down here, I walked into the living room and stood by the fireplace looking at the masks of Asia. And Bert... Bert, I saw a pair of eyes in each, each mask, looking down at me. In just a moment, the Hall of Fantasy will present The Masks of Azure. And now for our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Masks of Azure. There are certain things in this life of ours which can never be explained at least with any normal, rational explanation. Often we try to shrug them off, to forget about them, so that the question will not rise in our minds to trouble our waking hours and to create nightmares in our sleep. But there are some things which can never be forgotten, and among them are the masks of Azor. Marcia's uncle sent them to us. Harold Letterby was a man of wealth and unusual tastes. He traveled a good deal, and frequently he'd send back little curiosities that he thought we might enjoy. So we thought there was nothing unusual about the masks of Azor. Oh, who can that be at this hour? I don't know, but don't you think you'd better see who it is? <laughs> I suppose so. Package for Marcia Stanton. Well, I'm Marcia Stanton. Will you sign here, please? Yes, of course. Thank you, ma'am. Good night. Good night. Did you order anything, Bert? No. Did you? No, not that I can remember. 
Oh, wait a minute, Bert. It's from Uncle Harold. <laughs> Harold to go broke something is all these things. Well, open it, honey. See what's in it. Did you notice the postmark? Mm-hmm, Istanbul. Well, I'll save those stamps for Greg. He'll want them. <laughs> Uncle Harold's certainly been useful to Greg in his stamp collection, hasn't he? <laughs> well, there, that's done. Now I'll take the top off the box. What? Why, there are two masks in the box. Gold masks. And a letter. Uh-huh. Here, I'll open it. Read it loud, Marcia. All right. Let's see. Oh, my dear Marcia and Bert. Here is a little present present I picked up in Istanbul. I hope that you like them as much as you seem to have enjoyed the other curiosities I have sent you. I picked them up at a little shop from a dealer who was quite anxious to get rid of them. He called them the masks of Azure. They're almost pure gold, and yet I bought them quite cheaply. There's some kind of a story connected with them. I don't know what it is. If I learn anything more, I'll be sure to write you. We'll return to the state shortly. Love, Uncle Harold. Mm, they're beautiful. And yet grotesque at the same time. Well, they look human. And yet... Well, it was pretty nice of Harold to send them to us. Where should we hang them? I don't know. That's your domain, not mine. Well, how about... Oh, over the fireplace? One on each side of the mirror? That sounds pretty good. Well, we can hang them right now. Anything to make a man work. Bert. Yes, dear. Oh, it, uh, it, it it's nothing. Well, what were you going to say? Well, I, uh, I don't know. For a minute, I had the strangest sensation about those masks. As if they could actually see me. <laughs> It didn't take more than a few minutes to hang the masks. They hung one on each side of the mirror over the fireplace. They looked quite good there, and yet, in a way, they seemed out of place. The following night, Greg dropped in for a while. Thanks for the stab, Bert. <laughs> that was the first thing he said when the package came. Greg will want the stamp. All the way from Turkey. <laughs> from your Uncle Harold, Marshal? Mm-hmm. He sent us those. I wondered where you'd got them. They're really quite nice. They're beautiful and yet grotesque in a way. That's just what I said. Practically the same words. <laughs> you think you both had one mind. They certainly catch your eye. Is that real gold? According to Harold, it is. Well, it must be quite valuable. Well, Uncle Harold said he bought them for a song. It couldn't have been very cheap. The gold alone is worth a good deal. As a matter of fact, Harold said the dealer seemed quite anxious to get rid of them. I wonder why. Well, why worry about it? Uh, do they have a name? Mm-hmm. They're called the Masks of Azure. Azure. You know, I've seen that name somewhere before. A-S-H-O-R, I think it's spelled. I can't remember where. Well, don't worry about it. What? Anything wrong, Greg? The holes the masks have for eyes. I thought I saw something, that's all. Saw what? I don't know. For a minute, I thought there were really eyes in the masks and that they were watching me. Watching every move I made. Yet it happened again. I looked closely at the masks, yet I could see nothing unusual about them. They hung there on the wall, lifeless, 
with that strange mocking expression on their gold faces and yawning empty holes for eyes. For a minute, I... I had the desire to destroy them. Greg left about ten. At eleven, Marsh and I went to bed. I fell asleep almost at once. I don't know what woke me, but... of a sudden, I was awake. I looked over at Marsh's bed... only to find it unoccupied. There was no sound in the room... Nothing save for the tiny heartbeat of the clock. For some reason, I... I had a desire to go downstairs. Something seemed to be directing my actions. I was fully awake, yet... I seemed to be in some kind of trance. I'd started down the stairs. Marcia, is anything wrong? What's the matter, honey? What's wrong? I must be going insane. Why? Well, I, I was asleep. Suddenly, suddenly I woke up. A voice seemed to be calling me. I started downstairs, always listening to that strange, unearthly voice. When I got down here, I walked into the living room and stood by the fireplace, looking at the masks of Azor. And Bert, Bert, I saw a pair of eyes in each mask, looking down at me. You must have imagined it. No, no, but I didn't. Those nests had eyes, and they were watching me. Watching every move I made. Back now to our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne, entitled The Masks of Azure. I had awakened in the middle of the night. Something had compelled me to go downstairs. And I found Marcia down there. She was almost hysterical. Those masks had eyes. And they were watching me. Watching every move I made. Wait a minute, Marcia. Take a look at them again. With the lights. No, I can't. Of course you can. Take your hands away from your face. There. Now take a look at them. They're just as they should be. Of course they are. You imagined you saw eyes, Marcia. Perhaps it was a trick of the moonlight. I guess you're right, Bert. Oh, of course I am. Now let's go back upstairs to bed. The following day was Saturday, and I didn't have to get down to the office. We both slept rather late that morning. A short time after we'd eaten breakfast. I'll get it, Marcia. All right, dear. Telegram, sir. No. If you'll just sign right here. Mm, of course. Yeah, thank you, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Who was it, Bert? A telegram. Well, who'd be sending us a telegram? I don't know. I'll see. Who's it from? Harold. Uncle Harold? What does he say? I'm returning to the States as soon as possible, taking plane this evening. Be very careful of masks of azure. Do not let anyone have them. I'm in danger of my life, Harold. In danger of his life? What did he mean? I don't know. 
but it has something to do with the masks of Azor. Saturday evening, Greg dropped in. What he told us that night was the first inkling I had that Harold Letterby had stumbled upon a relic of the past that would have been better had have been forgotten for all time. By the way, I did a little research on those masks of yours. Oh? Did you find out anything interesting? Yes, quite a good deal. Well, give us a rundown. I don't know if you'd like to hear it. Why not? It's not very pleasant. Well, tell us anyway. All right. You see, I knew I'd heard the name Asia somewhere. Finally came back to me. In college, I took a course in mythology. That's where I'd heard the name. Azor was the messenger of the underworld. It was he who went forth and summoned the victims to death in the final accounting. He wore a mask when he appeared on Earth, which he removed when he saw his victim. The mask was also worn to protect others, for whom the time was not ready to gaze upon his countenance. For the sight of his face meant death. You were right when, when you said it wasn't pleasant. He was accompanied always by a dog, a large dog of indeterminate breed who went before him. Azor's presence was always known by the howling of the dog. Well, of course, that's just a myth. Azor never really existed. I have to take it for what it's worth. Oh, yes, and one other thing. Yes. It said that the masks were once stolen from him, that he's been searching for them ever since. That he wears a different mask while searching for the gold ones. Oh, you... You've given me the shivers. Well, that's the story, Marsha. It sounds like nonsense. A being who set forth to summon people to death, always accompanied by a dog. A superstitious belief that's come down to us from the childish minds of an ancient people. Did you hear that dog? Oh, it's only a dog in someone's backyard, baying at the moon. Rather a coincidence, you might say, talking about a dog and then hearing one howling. But just a coincidence. What's that? I don't know. Sounds like an animal of some kind. Scratching at the door. Uh, I'll take a look. I'll go with you. Now, be careful. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing out here. What? I said there's nothing out here. But I think I heard something scratching at the door. Well, there's nothing here now. There's no need to get upset about it. Let's go back in. I can't understand it. Forget about it, honey. I'm sorry if what I've told you has upset you. A dog howling again. Somebody ought to talk to the guy who owns that animal. There's something at the door. Someone must be playing a joke on us. See what's there. I want to know what's outside. I'll go, Bert. I'll go, too. If it is someone playing a joke on me... Don't move. It is a dog. I don't... You wouldn't stand a chance. Balak! Balak! Come here. Must be the dog's owner. Balak! Are you the owner of this dog? Yes. I'm sorry if he's caused you any trouble. But you ought to... You ought to keep him on a leash. Is everything all right? Yes, everything's all right, Marshal. Your dog, it it frightened us. I'm very sorry about that. Balak, you shouldn't run so far away from me. What are you looking at? I'm sorry. I was looking past you to those masks you have hanging over the fireplace. Right. I'd better put the leash on him. 
If you would excuse me, I'll be going. Sorry to have disturbed you. Well, we might as well go back inside. Wait a minute. Why? He dropped something. I'm going down to get it. He was a queer sort of fellow, wasn't he? Yes. His face looks so strange. Soft. Almost like rubber. <gasps> Marcia! What's the matter? Look, look. He dropped it as he was walking away. He dropped it deliberately. Well, what is it? It's a mask. The mask of Azure. Back now to our story. An original tale of fantasy by Richard Thorne entitled The Masks of Azure. We stood just outside the house. A minute before, the man and his dog had disappeared from our sight. Marsha went down the stairs to the walk where he dropped something. And then she screamed. It's a mask. The mask of Azure. Here, let me see that. It is a mask. A sponge rubber mask. Remember what I said about his face? Yes, I do. What are we going to do? We can't do anything until Harold gets here. Maybe then we'll... We'll learn some more about these masks of Azure. I'm sure that... Marcia didn't sleep that night. As for myself, I dropped off occasionally... Only to awaken with a start. But each time I looked across the room... Marcia was still in her bed, staring at the ceiling. Occasionally during the night, I heard the sound of the dog howling out there in the darkness. And each time I heard it, the sound of its voice made me shudder. The following afternoon, about four o'clock, a cab pulled up in front. Harold Letterby got out and came up the walk leading to our house. I see that you received the masks. Yes. And did you receive the cable? Yes, yes, the following morning. When you bought these masks, you said that the dealer was anxious to get rid of them. Why? Had I known then what I do now, I would never have bought them. I think we know some of the story about Azure coming to Earth to conduct his victims back to death. And the dog, Bert. Don't forget the dog. Then you know about the dog? Yes. We found out about it last night. Who? How? It was here. Here? That's right. He sure has found the masks. He knows they're here. He saw them last night when the door was open. Are you sure it was Azure? After he left, Marcia found a mask. A sponge rubber mask. He will be back, you know. Well, I wish you'd never found the mask. No more so than I, my dear. A short time after I'd mailed them to you, Azure paid me a visit. He and the dog. I, too, found a sponge rubber mask after he'd left. The night before last, I... I saw something behind the mask. Like I... We must hide the masks from him. Otherwise, he will claim us all. What are you talking about? I have a plan. Me work, I don't know. Perhaps we can strike a bargain with him. Bargain? Yes, our lives for the masks. We must find someone else who will keep them for us. Uh, Greg will do that. Greg? Uh, a friend of ours, Greg Hunter. We must tell him it will be dangerous. I will. Good. Get in touch with him immediately. Or I am positive that Azure will return tonight. I called Greg and told him of our plan. Harold decided that he'd go back to Greg's apartment with the masks, and if Azure agreed to the bargain, we would send him there and Harold would return them to him. Greg would stay with us to await the appearance of Azure. By six o'clock that evening, Harold had gone to Greg's apartment with the masks, 
and Greg had come to our house to await our expected visitor. At 7.30, the shades of night had diffused themselves across the sky. By 8.30, the tension had mounted in each of us to a point where we were jumpy and, and irritable. What time is it? A little past 8.30. Do you, do you think he'll come? Uncle Harold said he would. Just waiting. It makes me nervous. So am I. Listen. Yeah, I heard it too. Well, the waiting is over now. Oh, Bert. Bert, I'm frightened. Everything will be all right, Marsha. I don't know. I feel that something's going to go wrong. He's here. Well, let's go let him in. All right. Are you ready? Yes, I guess so. Here goes. Ashore's not here. No, but he will be. Here he comes. I'm sorry, gentlemen. It seems that my dog has been scratching at your door again. We've been expecting you. Oh? Really? Yes. Won't you come in? If you don't mind, come by like You have a very pleasant little home. Oh, thank you. Do you mind if I set my package down here? Go right ahead. I see the masks are gone. Yes. We put them away. They were very interesting, you know. Weren't they, Balik? Balik is a good dog, yet he frightens people sometimes. You, uh, you came here for the masks, didn't you? The masks? The masks of Asia. Oh. You don't have them, though, do you? Not right here. You have them somewhere else? Yes. We'll... We'll make a bargain with you. We'll return the masks if you leave us alone. Then you know the legend of Asia. Yes. I brought you something. It's in this package. In time, Barry. In time. What? What about the bargain? The bargain... Oh, yes, the bargain. I'm afraid I can't agree to it. Why? You see, I already have the masks of Asia. Look for yourselves. But, uh, Uncle Harold... ...is no longer alive. Why, you dirty... I'll tear that mask off your face and... Quiet, Malik. Quiet. I have no mask on, Mr. Stanton. But, but, uh, You I... are gazing upon the face of Asia. And those who see him no longer remain alive. Now, Balak. Now.
All characters and events portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. Well, that's the show, everybody. I hope you all enjoyed it. And again, I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, a suggestion, a request, a, even a critique, feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. And I do have a YouTube channel, Terror Radio. Please check it out. Like the videos, subscribe. Highly appreciate it. Again, thank you for all the support and getting me to one year. And we have many years to come. Again, This is your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, signing off.